Welcome to Elevated Voices Podcast, where we value using our voice collectively to explore life challenges, including mental health, addiction, trauma, and ways to heal. With our voice, we empower, encourage, and transform lives. I'm your host, Daishika Bibbs, a certified trauma-focused therapist, licensed clinical social worker, and licensed certified addiction specialist. As we embark on this journey together, let's elevate our voice to echo the sound for the voiceless. Today's guest is a licensed therapist, Mexican immigrant, mental health speaker. She is also an adjunct professor at Pacific Oak College, where she helps shape culturally competent and trauma-informed therapists. Inside and outside the therapy office, she covers mental health issues, taking into account BIPOC culture experiences from family dynamics, generational traumas, boundary setting, and workplace balance. Elevated Voices Podcast would like to give a warm welcome to Denise Piner for joining the show. Thank you for having me. Hello. You're welcome. Denise, it is such an honor to have this opportunity to talk to you. Let me just say, I am so excited and I admire all of your work that you have done with the BIPOC population and work that you are actually continuing to do surrounding setting boundaries and that work-life balance. For me personally, I know all too well how workplace stress can lead to burnout and anxiety. So I just want to say thank you for all the work that you do. Oh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. That means a lot to me. I love what I do and I'm very passionate about it. And it always feels good to hear that I'm making a difference. Definitely. Definitely. One day I was reading, the headline basically stated that workplace burnout is on the rise for Black women and women of color. That wasn't a shock because, of course, hey, you know, I'm Black. So I was like, they just now talking about this? This should have been talked about a long time ago. And so my coworker, um, who's Caucasian, I love her to death. She was like, well, what do you mean by that? And so we had this nice open conversation about some of the challenges that women of color and Black women face in the workplace and how all of that stress can lead to anxiety, lead to burnout. And so me expressing these things to her, she said, I had no idea that, you know, you guys go through this. I had no idea. And I said, yes, we do. I agree, though. It's not surprising. I was going to say that when you were sharing the statistics. I was like, yep, not surprised. But that's because we don't exist in a bubble. Thankfully, what's been part of the conversation recently has been how our various identities, including race, affects our lives day to day and our interactions day to day. So it's not surprising that people who tend to struggle and have a lot of stress outside of the workplace will have an added level of stress inside the workplace because it's not like we stop being black and brown women when we check into the office. We're still dealing with everything else with the sexism and racism and all the other isms depending on our identities, and also our traumas, generational, historical traumas that we're carrying with us. So we don't exist in a bubble. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of generational traumas 
and all of the other things that we experience with our identity as women of color because again we don't exist in that bubble right we have our our, our own identity sometimes i feel our employers don't realize they don't understand everything that we face coming into work right but then when we get there the discrimination that we may face some of the microaggressions that we may experience being at work and so I know for myself, I had to fight tooth and nail to keep my identity from being erased. I got into a lot of trouble because my bosses, they will tell you, oh, you know, Daishika don't color inside the line. We just need her to follow the rules. We just need her to do what it is that all of us is doing, which is keep our head down. Don't ask too many questions and don't rock the boat. But for me, I'm like, hey, you know, we all are professionals here and we all have a voice. So I feel like I should use my voice in a respectful way if and when something doesn't seem right, if and when I'm confused without being judged, without being discriminated against, without being looked at as, oh, my gosh, here she goes, the angry black woman again. (laughs) So. You know, it's, that's really hard. Yeah, I was going to ask if it has been hard for you because what tends to hold us back as women and, and particularly as women of color is being seen as the problematic person. I think for me, the the fear is like, oh my God, the spicy Latina, you know, like, she, but I, it's been my experience too. I mean, I've, oh, I don't think I've ever been at a job where I don't say something and it's scary to speak up. And I don't know if there are any listeners sitting, listening to this thinking, oh, I wish I could. I wish I had the opportunity or the space felt safe enough to be able to speak up about what's bothering me and the way that I'm feeling at work. But that's always the fear. One of the fears is being seen as problematic as the angry Black woman or, you know, the angry Latina who can't control her emotions or a woman, right? Women, just hysterical women who nag all the time. Exactly. For us, it takes it to a whole nother level. We are torn. So how do we stay true to our cultural identity and thinking about how we were raised and how does that play into our identity in the workplace? Oh my gosh, in so many ways. It affects all of our interactions at work and particularly in the context of burnout. You know, we just covered one, which is our fear of being perceived as angry or nagging and being the problematic person of color. But there's also this other layer for us when we belong to a community of color of respect, our our cultures. and, And really, I think mostly around the world is very patriarchal. So there is this idea that you kind of just keep your head down. You do as you're told. I mean, even if you think about your relationship with your parents growing up, saying something in return other than yes, ma'am is talking back, right? Right. It's it's seen as extremely disrespectful, even if it's like, oh, but it's uncomfortable or I can't. That's talking back and that's very disrespectful. And so if you take that dynamic and that lesson at work, saying something is disrespectful 
to your manager, to your supervisor. And there is this fear of retaliation and a fear of not being liked at work. And now you've messed it up. And I think that's another layer that adds to our ability to feel comfortable giving feedback at work, expressing our needs at work, and can lead to burnout in the long run. Yeah. And everything that you said, I was thinking, how do we fit in? You know, how do we fit into a systemic society or workplace, I should say, where we have different identities, we have a different culture and feel valuable. Mm -hmm. All of the times that I have worked in my career as a clinician, coming home saying, you know what, I don't like working (laughs) for this place. I just need to change it. I need to change it. I don't feel valuable. I don't feel like my voice is being heard. You know, I don't feel, I don't feel. It made me I guess, question everything about myself, my credentials, my years of college, my years of training. And it's like, hey, you know what? Do I really fit here? Am I missing something? I I think a lot of what eats away into that feeling of of really fitting in and belonging could be one that the spaces that we're occupying now weren't really built for us. We probably are also one of the few, if not the only person of color in an office. And that just off the bat, you walk into a room and no one looks like you, can already start to make you feel uncomfortable and sense messages of like, maybe I, maybe I don't belong here because no one else in this room looks like me. No one else in this room shares my history and my experiences. And that's kind of just the context of where you're at. On top of that, any sort of microaggression and racist interaction that you might be having at work will add to that even more. I think it's important. One of the first things that's going to help us is recognizing that, right? right? That this is a system, a space, an organization that wasn't built for us. And that doesn't mean that there's no room for change or growth, but this is where allies also come in. And it's not really our responsibility to cut parts of ourselves to fit into something. It's more about understanding that it might be a little bit uncomfortable because you're pushing against spaces that are too small or spaces that are not shaped for us. So with that will come a little bit of pushback and a little bit of discomfort, but you're not the problem. Yeah, you're right. Thinking back, I I was one out of two, I should say minorities in most of the companies that I work. One of the things that I love about what you do is cultural competency. If we can normalize that across the board, I think that the workplace environment will be less intense, Mm -hmm. but we have to get there first. Because even though, like you said, you know, women of color, you know, we are branching out into so many different careers and so many different fields. And most of them were all men at one point. And some of them were all, you know, Caucasian at one point, especially like you and I, we're therapists, you know, for the longest, you know, how many people of color really Mm -hmm. occupied the therapy space? Even to this day, I think something like 65 to 70% of therapists are white. Yeah. I mean, that's just still shocking, but it's very informative. Shocking, but informative. And it for me, it speaks to the fact of, you know, we still have a lot of work to do. You know, we're growing, we're branching out, but, you know, we still have to put forth the effort. 
and I think understanding too what's coming up for us at work isn't necessarily communicating to us that there's something wrong with who we are. You know, that this possible imposter syndrome that you might be experiencing isn't because there is something wrong with you. You're too anxious or maybe you don't belong there. No, what's happening is that you're finding yourself in new spaces and new experiences. And again, as a person of color, our existence, something, sometimes that itself is an act of activism. You're in a space that isn't built for you. You're probably the only one that looks like you there. And that alone starts to change things, starts to push things and makes people uncomfortable. Yeah, it does. And, you know, just reflecting back on microaggression, being able to see yourself in a different way other than what society has already portrayed you as and Mm -hmm. coming in with that um, workplace bias already kind of like dangling over your head. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, when we think about microaggressions, you know, you have micro assaults, you have micro invalidations Mm -hmm. and Just going through those things and being a woman of color, it's like, how can I, without offending anyone, without making someone feel uncomfortable, do my job, do it well, and feel good about doing that? You know, Mm -hmm. you talk about imposter syndrome, again, going back to questioning, you know, who you are, um, your experiences, your, your education, and again, how you fit into into this workplace. It's like, how can we do that? Honestly, I don't think it's our responsibility. What's on us is to try to understand the systems that are in place, our own internal beliefs, our own identities, and how they can come into direct or indirect tension with the systems that we're in. It's not up to us to make other people people comfortable with our experience and our existence. As long as we're being respectful. Like you said, as we're speaking up for ourselves, the rest is not our responsibility. It's absolutely okay for us to say, hey, that comment, that behavior makes me uncomfortable because you have a right to exist in whatever space you're existing. And it's not up to you to worry about other people's feelings about it. Again, as long as you're being respectful, we don't want to be like, F you, I'm not going to take this effing, you know, whatever. (laughs) Like that probably won't, that won't be productive. Right. It's really not on us. What's important is that we start to accept ourselves and start being kind to ourselves about our experience and know that like we've earned where we're at. We've earned our positions and we have every right to be happy, healthy, and balanced at work. Exactly. We have to be able to love ourselves, accept ourselves, and value ourselves in the workplace and not allow everything that is happening there because it's politics you know it's politics not allow that to interfere and weigh on our mental health because it can yeah because I think that part of accepting yourself and understanding your worthiness and the fact that you did earn where you're at your position your accolades your education As we're doing all that, we also have to understand that the reason that that might be difficult, the reason it might be difficult for us to feel that strong sense of self and why it might be hard for us to also stand up for ourselves at work 
is because of our childhood experiences. That's still a part of who we are and it shapes the way that we see ourselves and the people around us. And I know that I mentioned earlier, just being a person of color, like talking back, that's going to play a role into whether or not you're going to be able to advocate for yourself. Because if you've had really unsafe or traumatic responses, whether that's like emotionally painful or physically painful responses from the grownups around you when you were young and you spoke up, then you're probably not going to feel safe doing it as a grownup, um, especially at work. Another childhood experience that tends to affect us is also if we are we are we are or were a parentified child. So what I tend to see with my patients who are parentified children is that there is this sort of pressure to be good and perfect and be dependable. And the way that that looks at work for us is we take on other tasks for our colleagues or the people that we supervise. Because we want to be the one that's dependable. We want to be the one that does things well. It's important to us that we are seen as that kind of rock and almost like parent for everyone at work. In the long run, that affects our mental health because we tend to take on more than we actually can carry. And it's hard for us to say no. And next thing you know, you're working like 12 hour days, which is not conducive to your mental health. You need to rest and eat and shower and have a life outside of work. And you won't make room for that if you have this pressure to take care of everyone else at work. Yeah, I agree. That's hard too, because in my family, one thing that I learn is don't be selfish, you know, be a team player, you know, and it's okay to help out your colleagues. It's okay to help out other people. And you're right, because when I get to work, if I'm thinking about that, it's like, oh, you know, do I say no? How do I draw the line? How do I set those healthy boundaries without, you know, hurting someone's feelings, but not thinking about myself and my mental health, but more so of everyone else. And having those workplace boundaries is absolutely important. And that comes also being socialized as a woman. Common definitions of a woman is someone who's nurturing and kind. And how can you not be that? If you say no, then you're being the complete opposite of that. You're being selfish and Again, taking that into account is going to be important as you're trying to learn how to advocate for yourself and say no. Like, I'm allowed to say no. I'm allowed to leave at five o'clock. I can go home and take care of myself. If you're having trouble with that, it's probably because of all the messages that you received growing up. And that's okay. What's important is for us to directly challenge that and say, no, I know that I deserve this. It's okay for me to say no. And that is not selfish. Yeah. And not only the way that we were raised, but the way that society reinforce what a woman should be, how a woman should do or not do certain things. Yes, we are nurturing by nature. That's just something that's instinctual. It's in us. But hey, guys, you know what? Let's turn it around and let's use a little bit of that on ourselves. (laughs) Because, you know, sometimes we are our biggest critics and we can tell everybody else, you know, take care of yourself and we can love on everybody else. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to ourselves, it's really hard. So Denise, if someone is listening to this podcast and they may be experiencing emotional exhaustion, lack of interest at work, or just feeling frustrated with feeling ineffective, 
what is some positive advice that you would like to share with them? If you're feeling that way, your body's probably trying to tell you that it needs rest. The reason it's important for us to take into account our experiences, our identities, the way that we were raised is because you're probably not giving yourself permission to relax. And we want to understand why first so that we can address it. So now that we understand that there's so much about your childhood development and early childhood experiences, the rest of your experiences with your identities, if you identify as female, if you identify as a person of color, like all of this stuff is going to play into your inability or your difficulty to prioritize yourself, to say no, to set boundaries. Now we're going to take a step back from that and try to practice prioritizing ourselves. Exactly. If a listener wants to learn more about you and your company and all the great work that you do, how can they reach you? You can get to know me and the work that I do through Instagram. I'm at Talk Therapy. I also have a YouTube channel, uh, Therapy Explained, where I talk all about mental health, mental health treatment. And I also have a podcast. We just talk about our experiences as women of color, as therapists. Well, you have heard it directly from Denise. Thank you so much, Denise, for taking time out of your busy schedule to be a guest on Elevated Voices Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. I know we go Thank you for tuning in to Elevated Voices Podcast, where we enjoy using our voice to share information which promotes growth and change. Never feel like you are alone. Join our Elevated Voices Podcast community at Elevated Voices underscore on both Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned to bi-weekly episodes wherever you get your podcast. If there is a topic that you would like me to cover, or if you have questions, you can send me an email via my Elevated Voices Podcast Facebook page. And remember, don't forget to let your voice be heard.